Let's go back to the Sermon on the Mount again for the third time. This time, I'm going to comment on different verses. For the sake of a reading, let's just go ahead and read verses 1 through 11. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount. They say that this was written in such a way that it's almost rhythmic and poetical like some of the sages and the rabbis would. So the, it's almost like um, it's an invitation to memorize it and it was written in a way which should be memorable as it goes through the structures and repetitions that you find in the Sermon on the Mount. But let's just read um, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11 together. I invite you to stand uh, for the reading of God's word. Start, starting with verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner against you falsely for my sake. Sorry, I guess I should have said verse 12 as well. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us a Bible. Thank you that you would consent to speak to us. Thank you that Jesus Christ certainly did have a thing or two to say when he walked the face of the earth and that his words were recorded and that we have them before us today. God, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts uh, to conform us to your image through this, for your honour and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So our introductory postulation is that the Sermon on the Mount, some have claimed that it was Jesus' only formal sermon. Um, even if you disagree with that, you could at least say that it's one of the most notable discourses uh, given by Jesus Christ. So it would be probably good, um, along with all what Jesus said, at least in this case, to pay extra attention to the themes that come up in the, the Sermon on the Mount. And um, of course, in addition to the specific individual things that he taught, but the themes and the centrality of it that come up and 
I spoke last Sunday about this. If you weren't here on Thursday night, I also spoke on Thursday night about this. Um, I may even have spoke the Thursday before that, but we've so far um, spoke about um, how the Sermon on the Mount, it does come across in places as being pretty serious, pretty tight, pretty narrow. Um, we spoke on one occasion about in verses 5, 25 through 26, um, one place which struck me about the tightness of it, the narrowness of it, he said to agree with thine adversary or accuser or there's some that believe that that even refers to in a legal case someone that you owe money, they're claiming that you owe them money, some kind of um, civil disagreement. Agree with them quickly before you get to court because uh, find out what you could have done better, find out how you could change pretty fast, believer, because um, if it doesn't go your way, I'm not going to bail you out. I'm like, Lord, that's pretty tight. That's serious. You're telling me you're serious about our relationships, of course, with people and with the world to work with and deal with integrity. Um, and then we also spoke about the seriousness of our words, um, just taken from his uh, paragraph about oaths in uh, verse 33 through 37. And um, he said how the, the devil wants to um, degrade our words as not meaning anything. Like you, you have to even ever add an oath to convince someone that you're serious about what you say. Jesus is like, that's of the devil. Everything that comes out of your mouth is serious. You should never ha need to have an oath in the first place. That was a condescension, basically, just like the law, law of divorce was a condescension. So again, seriousness was coming out there. Um, I mean, should, should we take the kingdom of God seriously? You're being accused of, oh, calm down, you're just taking this whole Christian thing a little bit too seriously. Um, really? I mean, does the world take their pursuits seriously? Yeah, you better believe it. Uh, doesn't business get pretty serious, Jerry? Oh, my. Man, people in business get serious about their success. They get serious about the, op the efficient operation of their businesses. Um, for what? Money, profit, prestige, they're serious about it for those things. Shouldn't we be serious about the kingdom of God? What about the sporting world? Does the sporting world ever get serious? We just had a little bit of that pretty recently, didn't, didn't it? I mean, really, on Super Bowl Sunday, when they're stepping up for that last all-crucial um, free throw, right? That's a little Scottish prank. <laughs> um, no, nobody's cracking a joke at that moment. That's pretty serious right there. It's pretty serious for what? So that these guys can prove that their lives were worth something because their names were on the cup? Because nobody remembers the runner-up, right? But they want to be remembered. They want to go down in history. They want to prove to themselves that their life was worth something because they could throw a ball and run better than someone else. Can we not take the kingdom of God seriously? Praise the Lord. Amen. It's an eternity. This is, we spoke about this on Thursday night. One of the themes in the Sermon on the Mount is the kingdom of heaven, is heaven itself, is eternity. It's the eternal state. It's worth it. When the, the glory, the honor, the pleasure of the God who saved us is at stake, that's worth taking seriously. Wouldn't you agree? 
So I don't, I'm, when I see someone that's serious, like how Jesus gets pretty serious in the sermon, I'm like, praise God, man, this is it. It's worth, it's worth it. It's worth living for. Um, we also mentioned, um, you know, the seriousness of the law is mentioned in here. I mentioned that in my introduction last week. Um, I mean, it says, it talks here, I was kind of like, whew, kind of caught my attention uh, when I was reading in verse 19. Matthew 5, 19, it says, uh, Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least of these commands but shall, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Um, that implies to me that in the, in the kingdom of heaven, in heaven, when, there, when the new heavens and the new earth come, there is still going to be a hierarchy of social order. Jesus said that somebody was going to be called greatest and somebody, somebody was going to be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Based on what we do on planet earth. On this, in this short pilgrimage. Now we know that being in the kingdom of heaven, in the real kingdom of heaven, the final eternal kingdom of heaven, heaven if you want to call it that. Um, it's going to be great for all of us. But we tend to oversimplify it, don't we? We fail to make the differentiations, the biblical differentiations that are made in the scriptural data about what that will be like. And it's worth fighting for. It's worth being serious about. It's worth um, pouring out all your energy, all your passion, and all your life for. Um, Praise God, of course, it, it, that, that social order will not be based upon intelligence, good looks, um, fame on earth, riches on earth, any of those carnal things that people are judged by and put into a pecking order he, by here on earth, but simply by what we lived for, how we lived our Christian lives. We know we're in based on justification by faith. We believe God, but now what are you going to do with it? in the years that you got left before you check out planet Earth. It's worth fighting for. It's worth being serious about. Um, on that, that subject, did you know, um, we mentioned that, that heaven is mentioned repeatedly in the Sermon on the Mount, the heavenly eternal kingdom that should drive us and motivate us, inspire us and spur, spur us on. But did you know that it was possible to save up for heaven? Yes. I mean, you save up for your holidays, right? Amen. Well, you call it vacation. You save up to go on vacation. You save up for college. You save up for retirement, right? Do you know it's possible to save up for heaven? Do you know when they say at the funerals that you can't take anything with you? They're wrong. Yeah, you can't actually take quite a lot with you. That's the whole point of being here. Um, and in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, uh, or where thieves break in and steal, but lay up. That's a positive command. Jesus commanded us to do it. Actually, it's both a positive and a negative, which is quite emphatic, because there's not everywhere where Jesus positively prohibits one thing. Do not do this. And then makes an injunction to do the opposite. That's quite emphatic. Do, do this instead. Lay up for yourself. Save up for heaven. Mm -hmm. We're 
There are no stock market crashes. There are no swindlers. And it'll never wear out or fade away. Um, hallelujah. Amen. Here's what interests me about that statement as well. The word for. See that in the last, the last sentence there? Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right now I'm kind of, sorry this sermon's not very ordered right now. I'm just kind of mixing and matching and some of the themes we've mentioned already, a little bit, reviewing a little bit, building a little bit on what we said already. He says for, because I said one of the themes in the Sermon on the Mount is living for the heavenly kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, which is real and is going to touch down on planet Earth. It's a real place, just like Florida or Kokomo or wherever or Scotland. But he says there for... I mean, the, the, the individual teaching itself is valuable. The individual teaching of laying up for heaven is a valuable and valid teaching. But then Jesus goes beyond that to a greater principle. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I don't want your heart to be on planet Earth, Jesus said. I want your heart to be on heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the new Jerusalem, the eternal state. That's where I want your heart. Uh, don't want your heart on your stuff, on your houses, on your boats, on your jobs. Do what you need to do in those areas. If I could just kind of paraphrase and take some poetic license. Do what you need to do in those areas, of course, according to the will of God. But don't give your hearts to them. How do you know when your heart is given to something? Well, check your schedule. <laughs> check your pocketbook. Check your thought life. Because where your thoughts tend to gravitate towards, uh, you know, like just when you're in the shower and stuff, when you're brushing your teeth, what you catch yourself thinking about, that's probably where your heart is at. And Jesus says he positively definitely wants our hearts set on heaven, on the kingdom of heaven. So what I'm trying to say here is that one of the themes in the Sermon on the Mount, um, there's definitely some radical teaching there, isn't there? Um, I mean, whether it's forgiving persecutors, loving persecutors, giving your money away, not bothered about people ripping you off, all these crazy radical things. But I see that Jesus is trying to shock us through this, shock us into a kingdom mentality because a mentality based on a new social order, on a new economy, on a new kingdom will lead us. These are just examples of where our thoughts would be at and applications of a kingdom mentality, a mentality like we're all, like our brain, our mind, and our true faith is already living in the new Jerusalem. Amen. But our bodies are on earth. Isn't that what he prayed? Yeah. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As on earth, as it is in heaven. Okay? You're still living in a fallen body. Your body has not been redeemed yet. You're still living in a fallen earth. The curse is still upon nature. But I want you to live 
You have a redeemed spirit. It's heading to a, re- to a redeemed earth. And I want you to live on this fallen earth now as if you're already there. Get practicing for heaven. Practice makes perfect, right? Practicing for heaven makes us perfect people. Praise God. Um, so that's what I see in, in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, like I said, ra- you could say that radicalness is a, is a theme of it, um, but it wasn't, what I'm saying is it's not radical for the sake of being radical. It's, it's just based as, it's the, I mean, it seems radical because it's the overflow of um, a mindset based on a new society, a new kingdom, a new social order. Um, and I mentioned one of his, rad- one, of, one of the teachings to me in this that is, crazy and radical in verses uh, 38 through 42 of chapter 5. I'm just kind of bouncing around here, but it's all, it's all good stuff. Um, that's what I love about Jesus, you know. Like some people have tried to get really radical in their Christianity by getting into some extreme areas and... Um, all you need to do is look at the Sermon on the Mount. Basic bread and butter stuff of what Jesus taught. And if you actually live this by faith, wow, watch out. Amen. Um, you have heard it as said, verse 38, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil. Now, um, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't fight injustice but I believe it pertains to an evil person, as some translations say, that you do not resist an evil, evil person. Uh, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If any man will sue thee at law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. So if anyone, could you ever, like imagine somebody doing that? Like if somebody actually like sued you for your house, you'd be like, sure, take the house and have my retirement fund as well. Why not? I don't see a lot of the Sermon on the Mount stuff going on in divorce cases, do you? No. Um, Where were we at? And whosoever shall compel thee to go uh, a mile, I don't know if there may have been a reference to the kind of Roman rule that they had there then, but um, go with him twain. Two, give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not away. That's, that's some crazy faith-based, uh, no, 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 Jesus. You can't really mean that. I mean, Lord, there's some sketchy people out there. The kind of people that, if I did lend them money, they're probably, oh, I'm not really sure if they would pay me back, to be honest. And Lord, you know I can't give to anyone because I'm going to, I'm going to run out of money. You just imagine Jesus saying to me, Nikki, how can you run out of money when you have an infinite supply? <laughs> Nikki, you're still operating on old earth economics, which is based on a limited supply and demand. That's not the way it's going to be. It's going to be based on an unlimited supply an unlimited supply. I want you, Nikki, to live on earth as if heaven is already here. Perfect practice makes perfect. So do you see what he's doing? He's really messing us up in the head, isn't he? Because he wants to 
rewire our thinking so that we operate by the mind of Christ because Christ knows where he came from and he knew where he was going back to and he kept walking in that mindset when he was on planet earth. Um, <clears throat> bless God. He's calling us out to faith, isn't he? Because we can't see all of this right now. This challenges us because we can't see it. But we know the one who's telling us and we trust him. And we're challenged to see if we will act by faith in what he's telling us and prove it, test it and find out and find it to be real. And when you do, hallelujah, your God just got more real. It's an exciting opportunity. So I want to um, conclude these thoughts with a little story. This is called A Sermon on the Mount Thought Process in a Recent Dealing. Now, Jerry's laughing already because he knows where I'm going with this, okay? Um, Brett will know what I'm referring to when I get started here too. So yesterday I was having a really good day. You know, we had this great time at the walk a mile. And, um, and God was working on multiple levels. And then I was coming over to the office and I stopped at the mailbox to pick up the mail. And, um, and we got this letter here, okay? We're talking about, this, talking about the Sermon on the Mount. I have to give you a little bit of background here. Um, we have this wonderful gentleman from Florida who's been writing to us, right, Brett? And before I even get started here, Brett has been the example of the Sermon on the Mount in this. We have this wonderful gentleman from Florida who's been writing to us. And his letters go a little bit like this. He, very intelligent, gifted businessman, clearly. And he's formed himself a company. And he mails businesses, I believe, probably all over America. And he writes to them under the name of Yellow Pages United. Okay? In doing so, he presents himself as the Yellow Pages. We're talking about the Sermon on the Mount here, right? See, he's even got the... The, the, the logo, you remember that logo from the yellow pages? So, I mean, they're almost extinct these days. Remember, everybody used to get one through the door and you might get asked to verify your listing, you know, is, this, or is your information still? So he sends up these letters, you know, asking people, verify your listing, is this still your business listing? Is your detail up to date? Yes. You know, check the box, sign here and stuff so we can, you know. And um, somewhere down the bottom in the small print, which most of us, don't really read and everybody kind of knows that or if you do read it you don't always know what it means so you're just like okay whatever um, it, he has his little disclosures about what he's really doing so that if you try and get out of it he says ah I told you in the small print what I was trying to do so basically this gentleman is living by the letter of the law to some degree but the spirit of the law he's worked out a way of farming people for their mistakes and making millions and millions of dollars out of it so anyways, I picked up one of his letters from the mailbox yesterday, and this is my sermon on the Mount thought process. <clears throat> okay. So you're going to steal money from our church, huh? That makes me angry. Mm. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, if I was angry with someone, I better be careful. Because I, be, I could be facing the judgment right there. I was like, oh, Jesus, help me, help me, help me. 
Okay, I know there's another way we can get out of this. Okay, I've got it. He claims that we owe him money. I know what to do. Wait, wait a minute. Nah, this guy, man. This guy's a jerk. Whoa, wait a minute. Jesus says in the Sermon of the Mount, if I call someone a fool, I could be in danger of the fire of hell. Plead the blood, Jesus, help me, Lord. Okay, whoever this is, they're an eternal creature made in your image. Okay, let's figure this out here. I'll figure something else. Okay, wait a minute. I know, I know what to do. Tear it up. Throw it in the trash. Tell them, come on down here and sue me. Oh, whoa, wait a minute. I just preached on that too. <laughs> Honestly, Steve, like we were sitting in that board meeting the other week. I was like, oh no, I just preached on this. <laughs> oh no, Jesus, what are you doing to me? I just preached that if you get into a situation and someone's taking you to court, you better get it settled quickly. Because uh, if you get into some bother over it, God might not bail me out. It's serious stuff. I better guard my heart and walk circumspectly here. Whew. I'm like, okay, Jesus. Okay. What else am I going to do? Okay, all right. We'll pay it, all right? It's okay. It's just money. God's going to provide for us. Just forget it, Nikki. It's not a big deal. Just pay it, okay? Okay. If we're going to pay this, we're claiming this guy for Jesus. We're going to get our value for money out of this. So start, so start praying. I started waving this letter all about. Actually, the other one got a little bit kind of torn up, Brett, by the way. Sorry. If it looks a little bit crumpled about, it's because I was waving it around my office. I was like, oh, God. I was like, Jesus. I was like, if we're paying this, then um, I'm claiming this guy for you, Jesus. You may as well owe him. You may as well own him. I mean, it's clear. This is intentional. This is intentional. The, Flor the Florida Attorney General already has a lawsuit out against him. Ten years ago, they were actually arrested under charges of dishonest dealings and money laundering. Apparently, they must have gotten away with that because they're still sending out their letters. Does Jesus know that? Yeah, Nikki, I already know all that stuff. <laughs> Quit looking this guy up on the internet, Nikki. Just get praying, okay? All right, Lord. Okay. Whew. Okay, well, we're going we're gonna to claim it for you, Lord. We're going to get a vow of money out of this one. We're going to get going on our Sermon on the Mount thought process here. Uh, okay. <clears throat> okay, Jesus, yeah. Yeah. Save this guy. He really needs it. He obviously needs it. Wait a minute. What did you see? And such were some of you. Lord, I used to be in business. Uh, I'm not sure that everything I said and did when I was in business was full of integrity. Ooh, apparently this guy's just a little bit better than, at it than what I was. God, wait a minute. I know what needs prayer here. I need prayer. Oh, God, have mercy on me. Amen. Help me, God. Help me to seem... You know what my prayer was? How about this for a form of mercy? Lord, have mercy upon me and may your mercy take this form that I can see and appreciate your mercy towards me. Because I did this kind of stuff to people too on a smaller scale. And you forgave me. You had mercy upon me. Oh God, have mercy upon this man. Have mercy upon this man, oh God. 
Wait a minute, Lord, your justice is at stake. Your justice is at stake. If you were willing to convict me of my sin, you've got to convict this man of his sin. That's mercy. Conviction is mercy. Convict. Wait a minute. What happens if you already have? What happens if you've already convicted him of his sin? And he hardened his heart towards it. Oh God, that's serious. Do you know how serious it is to harden your heart against the convicting power of the Holy Ghost? Now I don't know that that's true about this man, but it could be. Do you know what's left for you if you willfully resist the dealings of the Holy Spirit? The earth is not worthy of such individuals. I could rightfully pray, God, if that's the case, kill him right now. Take him off of planet earth right now if he's already resisted your mercy and your convicted power. That's how serious it is. And I believe God would take that prayer seriously. Okay, Lord, I'm getting some help now in my heart. Where do we go next with this Sermon on the Mount prayer? Oh yeah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm not angry anymore. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for this letter. You taught me some lessons through this letter, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, what next? Um, oh, wait a minute. Did you say, let them take your coat too? Uh, maybe we should send them double. And say, here, just go be blessed. We love you and thank you for writing to us because we got to learn about the Sermon on the Mount through it. In Jesus' name. Amen.